Hello and welcome back to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. Today we are going to dive into the importance of play in your children's life, in your homeschool, and in your own life. Welcome to Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. I'm Erin. And I'm Amanda. This is the podcast to encourage moms that have been at this homeschooling gig longer than five years and plan on sticking with it through the high school years. The long haulers, as we like to say. We want to help you have the greatest of all time homeschool that meets the needs of your family by encouraging you with real conversations on the issues that pop up as you've been in this homeschool lifestyle for years. So it'll be fun to try and see if there's people out there that need the encouragement and if there's anything that we can do to help others as they get started on their journey. That'd be awesome. That's what we're here for. Amanda, you want to start us off? <laughs> Make me do it. I was saying this before we started recording. I've had several people in my life, either in passing or that are important to me, you know, talk recently about how they need their five-year-old to do A, B, and C, or they need their seven-year-old to do, you know, D, E, and F. And so I thought it would be a good episode to do with the importance of play and what that does in our own lives and what that does for our kids. And so there's a whole plethora of things that we can look into with regard to play, there's a whole thing called game schooling, where, you know, there's a lot of people that that's how they do school is they buy different games for different subjects, and they learn through gameplay, because that's what works for their family. But I looked up an article this morning about the importance of play. And I don't even know what website it was on. So I can't reference it. But it says there's 10 things that play does. And I don't think this is just applicable to children. I'm sure there's more than 10 things too, but it's also important for us as adults to have play. You know, when we have playfulness in our marriages, that's a positive thing. When we have playfulness in our friendships, that's a positive thing. And it does a wide array of of things for us and improves attitude and so forth. I'm probably more playful than I should be (laughs) in a lot of situations. (laughs) But one of the things it says is improved behavior. So when a child is allowed to spend some time playing, And then when it's time to focus, they focus easier. They don't get so so destructive when they've been Mm -hmm. allowed time to play. There's things like learning behaviors when they're able to play with their siblings or in a group of other students, then they are learning behaviors from those other students. And that could be a a double-edged sword too, because when we have all all of our kids in public schools or at our, our Sunday school church or whatever, and there's a bad behavior, even with sibling groups. When there's a bad behavior, guess what? They're going to pick up on it. And so they're learning behavior. So if they have positive peers and that are well-behaved, then they're more likely to have that learned behavior. But one way or the other, they're going to learn the behavior, right? Then there's Mm -hmm. developed social skills. That's an obvious one. Staying active, obviously, another one. It enhances learning, which is the kind of the point of this episode is that when they're allowed to play, it absolutely enhances learning. And and improves upon all of those abilities and those brain neurons to be able to absorb information. It enriches imagination and activity. Physical development kind of goes in the same thing as staying active. It allows them to express emotions in an easier way. And so through play, they can express emotions. A lot of my oldest son needed play therapy for a long time. And so he had a therapist that he went to that played with him and he could express emotions through play with her and she could help him with it. 
And so that's really important. And we can do that without paying someone, right? Mm -hmm. And then it also relieves stress. That's a good one for us adults. And it's fun. So those are the 10 things that I found in that article. What are you thinking about play, Erin? <laughs> I love it. Uh, you know me. I I love a good spontaneous activity. I love a good joke. I try not to take life too seriously. So I feel like for me, it's not hard to play unless I feel stressed out about life or this past right. year has been extremely stressful. So I, I've had to be very intentional with not taking things too seriously or not getting very depressed just thinking about like losing my mom and, mm. you know, all those emotions that come with that. So, and th- honestly, that was one of the things that she showed me. One of our favorite things to do was take like a spontaneous road trip and not just, you know, five minutes down the road, we would go like on a day trip <laughs> and just scrounge for quarters in the cushions of the seat and say, Hey, let's go get a burger or let's split something. And Growing up, we didn't have a lot of money. So I feel like our play was mostly imaginative. It wasn't with stuff or it was stuff that was repurposed into imaginative things. Sticks were swords or they were magic wands or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think that's a whole other topic about poverty levels. And (laughs) we know, I think that's a good thing, though. That's a great thing. You know, my family and my family, we didn't get a lot of time with our parents not a lot of quality time with their parents. And so they oftentimes would try to offset that by buying us things. So mm-hmm. I, I had a full strawberry shortcake kitchen set. I didn't have to use my imagination for a lot of the stuff that I had. And I didn't get a whole lot of parental playtime. You know, there wasn't, it was very much a separation between kids do what kids do and parents do what parents do. And so I love mm-hmm. that your mom was as playful as she was. My mom was not at all. Uh Um, She was more playful with my kids than she was with us. But (laughs) yeah, um, so but I think that's great, though. It's 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 sometimes being poor, quote unquote, poor is better than, you know, having I mean, we didn't have a whole lot of money. I think we were comfortable, you know, is Mm -hmm. the way that we would describe it. But it would have been nice to have that more quality time doing the things that the kids like to do. And so often the kids in our family had to do what the adults wanted. And it wasn't uh-huh. always about what the kids wanted. When there was something that the kids wanted to do, we got a gift and told to go away and go play with it, you know? So gotcha. it's really interesting. And and I love that. And I, your mom was so playful and so much fun to be around. And as soon as I walk in the door, hi, Amanda, you know, from across the house, uh-huh. so, like just <laughs> always, always, always playful. And I love that. And maybe that's why I'm kind of overkill with playfulness now, because Uh, My mom was not like that. And Mm -hmm. I wasn't really allowed to be excited or excitable about things. And so I'm like overzealous about that stuff now. But Well, but that's a good point too. I think sometimes when we have situations where maybe our home life wasn't playful or it couldn't be because of the adult things that kids are facing, you know, we were foster parents for six years or seven years and you, it gets heavy. And I think what I've seen is that people, humans, kids, adults, teenagers want play, you know, like you said, you're seeking that out now because you didn't have that. And I I had that and I want to continue to have that. You know what I mean? Like, I think we all want to have the freedom to play, but what gets in the way are our adult expectations or our imagined pictures of what homeschool or life looks like with our kids. And I see that a lot with newer homeschoolers they're very, very focused on the academics. And no matter what age their children are, 
you know, I, I see a lot. Well, I I'm starting homeschool this week and my, my oldest is three and I have an eight month old (laughs) and what's the best curriculum for that child. And I'm thinking, Oh, Oh no, this is just setting yourself up for a lot of disappointment of your expectations not being met because that three-year-old does not want to sit in front of a book or no, or that three-year-old doesn't care what the best curriculum is, teach them their colors. They want to sit with mom and play. They want to have, you know, make a game of it. Like you said, there's lots of games. I could tell you what, maybe that's the better question. I have a three-year-old and an eight-month-old. What are the best games that I can play? Well, and you know, um, play and academia are not mutually exclusive, you know? And so oftentimes we try to make them go into two different columns in our brains. And so many things can be intertwined with those two things. And they can learn so much no matter what age they are. You know, my 15 year old is still wanting to play Minecraft and he's learning a ton playing Uh Minecraft and using his imagination. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Well, you brought up something else. So my kids love Minecraft and when they were, my boys were really little, they also loved jewels because of Minecraft. You know, they knew all these different names, all these elements and stones and whatever. So I took them to a local jewelry store and the lady behind the counter was like, oh, you just coming in to look, you know, are you looking to buy her? And I said, no, my boys are just really interested in gemstones <laughs> because they just love it. And so they're sitting at the the case looking at all these different stones. And I think my younger one wasn't reading at the time. I think he might've been three or four. And my older one was like, oh, that's lapis lazuli. Or, you know, all these yeah. different stones. There's diamonds whatever, and yeah. rubies and emeralds. And, and the lady was like, wow, how do you know so much about these? And he goes, Minecraft. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was, it was a proud mom moment, moment for me because she was impressed with their knowledge that I didn't give them. They just found out from their game and their love of playing that game. <laughs> we and were at looked- a museum, a local museum one time and there's this playroom, you know, or like the creative room, or whatever. So there's lots of different um, areas that the children can go in and play. And there was drawers that had a bunch of stones in them. And uh, my youngest opened a drawer and he goes, obsidian. And he pulls out <laughs> this, and I'm going, what are you talking about? He pulls out this big obsidian stone, the size of his head. And mom, you have to take a picture of this obsidian. And I'm like, okay. Uh-huh. So I took a picture of him <laughs> with the obsidian and posted on Facebook. We had to pay, take a picture. Of, I'll have to I'm find pretty that sure I was at that field trip with you. You might have been. <laughs> that might have been the one where I was trying to get a picture of my kids and backed up over the landscaping and fell on my butt <laughs> in front of everybody. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> No better way to meet another group of homeschool moms than to fall on your bottom (laughs) in front of everybody right before the field trip that you're participating in. Like, hi, yeah, you were, oh, you're the one that fell. Yeah, that's me. (laughs) I did not witness the fall, but I heard about it later. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, actually, our mutual friend, Carla, (laughs) she's like, that was the moment that I knew we could be friends. because (laughs) The way you handled that when you got up was just like, I'm good. (laughs) You laughed. So, oh, man. Yeah, I think that we can get so bogged down with the academia that we feel pressure that there's all these things we need to know. But the thing I I remember now what I was going to say is we get hung up on that when are you really learning? When do you learn something? When you enjoy it, when it's something that piques your interest, you're not going to retain the information. So are you actually educating your child, cramming a bunch of facts down their throat that they may or may not remember after the test? Or 
are you playing that game, that board game with them? Are you taking them on that field trip that, you know, has something to do with the thing that they've expressed interest in? And now they're going to talk about that for years to come. Mm -hmm. The conversations that I have with my kids that have been homeschooled from the beginning. Oh, I remember when we went to, you know, the park and we saw this specific bug that we had just talked about at school and they remembered what it was and they could tell me things about it and they're seeing it and they're touching it and they're looking at it fly away or, you know, that's the learning that's happening. Not me sitting in front of a textbook saying, okay, we're going to look at locusts today and they have no interest or care because they want to go see the locusts in real life. And there's actually, they can hear them out the window at that moment. Why am I sitting in front of a book? Right. Yeah. There's a local gardens place that I, I scheduled a field trip with forever ago. And there was a an educator there of the gardens. And so she held this class and she was talking, she had all these bugs. You're talking about bugs, reminded me of it. And she had all these bugs that she considered pets that she took home with her every night. There was a scorpion, there were centipedes, there were crickets, there were all kinds of things in here. And so she went from case to case and talked about each one and had the kids, t- if they could touch them, they could touch them. If she had to hold up the the little glass, you know, container, and they could all come up and look really closely at it and talk about this. I love, absolutely love that. Our favorite vacations, at least mine, have been to go to museums, you know, children's museums and science museums and all of that sort of thing. I, I have a legitimate fear of taxidermy, but I will go to a taxidermy, <laughs> a museum where there's a ton of taxidermy if it meant that my kids could learn about those animals, you know, and I had the heebie-jeebies the whole time. But so this educator mm-hmm. like was able to do that. And at the end of this class, she actually pulled out edible bugs. So she had like crickets and she had different and she made a cheese ball out of and so and offered it to the kids with the cracker. And so they all lined up. Whoever wanted to taste it, of course, mine did not. Uh, mm-hmm. Whoever wanted to taste these bugs. So it was this whole bug themed class. And it was so playful and it was so fun. It wasn't studious and or academic in any way other than it was learning intensely learning about all of these things and then we could go venture out through the gardens and you know go play outside whenever we were finished with it those kinds of classes are the best and I don't know why they don't have them more often for older kids because older kids need that just as just as much as younger kids do I know with brain development and things you know between the ages of one and five or whatever it's a you know play is work for those Mm -hmm. ages but play can can continue to be work for older ages too. Yeah. Um, it's I feel like it's just as important. And if we can figure out what's fun, what that person, what that child sees as fun, and then, you know, help them with that and, and allow them that time uh-huh. to play in that and enjoy that and have fun in that and even become more, develop more skills from that and my kids still love playing video games, even though I hate them. It took them like five or seven years to even get me to on board with video games. I hate the stupid thing, <laughs> but you know, it's important, you know, yeah. it's, all of that's important. Yeah. I, and I think we can get into this kind of playful, maybe call it unschooling or whatever interest led learning mm-hmm. thing. Uh, I mean, I'm just thinking past experiences we've had homeschooling and something that I'd forgotten we'd done is I have a child who was so obsessed with skeletons and then the other child got really obsessed. And so it was like bones, everything. And we had to go to, well, we didn't have to, but we chose to go to a family (laughs) to see family in Oklahoma. 
for a vacation. And I had found out that they had a reciprocal program with our science city and that we could go there for free. And and then I got to looking at, okay, well, what's offered down there? And there was this museum of osteology. And I'm uh. like, oh, <laughs> perfect. The bone museum. And so we toured this. You can look it up, the skeletonmuseum.com. And it's in Oklahoma. And they have bones everywhere. And my kids stayed for hours and it just made our family vacation that much more enjoyable. And it's something kind of off the beaten path, uh, something you wouldn't think about. I don't know if your kid wasn't interested in bones, but instead of telling my kid that was interested in bones, you know, we really need to focus on math today. Mm -hmm. We could have totally gone that route and I could have been really hard nosed about that and said, you know, that's, that's interesting that you're interested in that, but we really need to do reading or we need to do this. Instead, I was able to say, hey, you know what? You really like this. So we went to Costco and got a huge six-foot skeleton, and they positioned that thing around my house, scaring me for a couple of years. (laughs) And they still talk about the skeleton in that trip, and it was just fun. You Mm -hmm. know, if I had made this whole list of things we were curriculum sheet of, what are our goals here of learning, and what are the check points that we need to have to have you learn about these bones, it would have been really boring for them. But I just said, Hey, you like this? Let's find something to do. We didn't go on like a very detailed exhibit tour with a guide. We just let them walk around and they they can still tell us facts about things they read off the cards that Mm -hmm. they were interested in. Yeah. It was because of that obsession with bones that your children had that we ended up with a six foot skeleton in our house. (laughs) Oh, goodness. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Skeletron was his name, if anyone's Mm, interested. (laughs) And then we found the four foot skeleton and they named him Mintron. So (laughs) there's a whole history here with these skeletons. There's lots of fun pictures and memories. And (laughs) Mm -hmm. ours is Captain Jack. Ours was Captain Jack. Yeah. 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 And Mm -hmm. and, um, my youngest would carry him over his shoulders. Oh, fine. You know, he would give Captain Jack a a ride on his shoulders. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, I do believe that we did take the Mintron on a family road trip another time, maybe to Wisconsin to visit family um, because the other one was too big to fit in the car. And <laughs> it's just a whole thing. But and like you said, it's easy to do those things maybe when your kids are little. But then I think as moms who are homeschooling high schoolers, you feel pressure to, we got to get credits. We got to get hours. We got to, whatever it is that you're feeling pressure. We need to do more reading. We're we're behind on whatever. You're never behind, FYI. But another thing I'm trying to get restarted for my kids that they loved was the hiking group that we did when they were littler. There's so much evidence on getting in nature and the importance of that. And when our kids, especially our teens, start working and have all of these goals and expectations put on them to be more adultish because, yeah, they need to learn those skills. But then we forget about the play and going on hikes during the day and getting together with friends just to play board games and have those times. It can be very sad for them, I think, Mm -hmm. in Absolutely. My opinion. Yep. <laughs> Completely no, it's my true. opinion. But. Completely true. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an incredibly important for them to continue to have a love and a passion for whatever it is that they're interested in and be able to express that through play um, and whatever that mm-hmm. is and, and, and being, I, I be find, allowed to play. Yeah. And I find that when I'm not allowing them that time to play because of my own stress levels, because I'm forgetting to play. That's when our homeschool feels really hard mm-hmm. and it gets really bogged down and people are losing motivation and I'm losing motivation. And 
I mean, I don't know. This year, I think I've taken a lot of breaks and vacations and day trips and things because I have seen that life is short and Mm -hmm. I want to have my kids experience those things. I also have a senior and a kindergartner this year. So this is kind of my last summer with all of my kids at home for sure, you know, Mm -hmm. and I really wanted to soak that up. But I feel like a lot of times we get stuck in, you know, maybe your kid's in seventh grade or third grade, and it doesn't feel like there's a pressure or a a goal of play because you're bogged down with school. Or maybe this is the first year you're homeschooling or you're back to homeschooling after taking a break. And I just want to encourage every mom listening to lean into playfulness Mm -hmm. this year. Mm-hmm. And the library just doesn't have books, right? The library also has games that you can you can borrow, and you know there's there's so many different types of games that teach so many different types of skills. And there's even Facebook groups, and there's you know various websites and things that talk about game schooling. and And if that's important to you, if you feel like you have to be neck deep in academia, then look into that. You know, I mean, there's mm-hmm. something too learning how to play chess with your kids. And I don't know how to play chess and I don't want to learn how to play chess, but we have like 15 chess boards and my kids love playing chess and they like driving me crazy with it. So (laughs) that's fun for them is to, Hey, let's pull out the Mario. We have a Mario chess set. Let's pull Uh out the Mario chess set and drive mom crazy. Okay. You know, and (laughs) um, that becomes a a fun afternoon. (laughs) Right. And you're bringing up a good point. It doesn't always have to be something major, like a big trip or a big experience. And it doesn't have to cost money. You know, I just found out that our local library actually rents out uh, or lets you borrow day passes to local museums. Yeah. And that's free and you can have them for three days. So you can go either multiple days or have time to pick a day and head out to wherever you want to go with no additional cost to you, but it's a good experience. Another thing I've done is having goals, like maybe every quarter, there's a special event to look forward to, to keep some of that playfulness where maybe you are learning about whatever in science and there's a museum close by or a movie coming out about that or whatever to have that goal of, okay, we're going to get through this. I know that this is maybe more sitting time than we wanted to spend, or maybe we didn't get started like we thought, or maybe mom was sick for the month and you know we're trying to get back on schedule and we're going to really bust through the schoolwork and go have a fun afternoon. And Mm -hmm. so what other playful things have you done? We've talked about games. We've talked about field trips, maybe setting a goal for a fun activity after slogging through some book work. Well, and having lots of friend time Mm -hmm. that's countable because there's life skills in that and there's PE in that. I think that that holds merit, maybe as much merit as some other core classes. One of the games we have is Stratego, which is like capture the flag. I don't know if you've played Mm -hmm. that, but my uncle, before he passed away, he passed away in like 2011, which is a long time ago, right? Before he passed away, he was a big fan of puzzles and chess games and different board games and things. And so several of his board games we got after he passed away, he never married or had children. And he has this like 19, and now we have it, this like 1960s something version of Stratego, which is not the same as a new version of Stratego. Hmm. So even that is kind of fun. Like if you can find, go thrift store shopping with your kids if they find that fun. I know yours Mm -hmm. do because you've got several Mm -hmm. vinyl lovers in your house. 
But, you know, if they enjoy that, then go find an old game and see how that compares to a new game because they are totally different. And some of those old games that they don't make anymore are super fun. My kids really enjoy getting into the older stuff, what they call older stuff, you know, so that's super fun. So and finding what your kids think are fun, you know, like what you think is fun might be completely different than what your kid thinks is fun. And so, you know, going to their level, if it's their schooling that you're finding important, then Mm -hmm. let them kind of be the guide in that and get a feel for what it is that they find fun and that they enjoy doing and what's playful to them and see how you can make that into something educational without, without killing it. You know, you don't, right. want to, you don't want to kill it, but in allowing that time with them, like, I, like you said, you had a kids that love bones and you were able to, instead of making them read every single thing in the museum, they could go at their own pace and do what they wanted to do. So if you had made them read everything in the museum, then that would have been overkill. That would have killed mm-hmm. that passion. That would have killed that fun for them. And so we have to, we have a very delicate balance as parents to allow that fun and really help them enjoy that fun and not kill it, right? Because yeah. I have a tendency of killing it. I like to kill it. Yeah. <laughs> well, another example of me trying to kill the fun is I started a hiking group several years ago and, you know, Charlotte Mason homeschooling, you know, all of the wonderful things that come with that nature notebooking. And I'm like, Oh, so I got my kids, these nature notebooks and pens and all this stuff. And we started that group thinking, Oh, okay. We're going to have the kids do nature journaling here and we're going to stop and we're going to, and what ended up happening is several (laughs) weeks of that. I was frustrated. My kids were frustrated. They wanted to play with the sticks, you know, weapons and (laughs) instead of sitting in their nature journal and I was like, come on, you guys, this is the nature journal time. And I was really, really killing the, <laughs> the love killing of that the experience. Yeah. And so after a while, I'm like, I talked to the other moms and I'm like, you know what? Maybe if everybody wants to do nature journaling, they could do it at the end on their own or at home beforehand, or you take a you know, leaf that's fallen off the tree and bring it in your backpack, whatever. And I said, but maybe we just scrap that whole part of what we're trying to do and just let the kids hike. And that was the thing that was the secret sauce. Just get Mm -hmm. rid of the nature journaling, let them go play. They would find the things that they were curious about on their own and they would talk about them after, or they would like, Hey, can we watch a video about this type of bird that we saw? Perfect. So they, they just loved hiking after that. And Mm -hmm. it was me that was trying to be the problem. (laughs) And I don't know because I'm like trying to stick to the whole, like, we have to make something of this count, you know, but you know, what counts then getting out in nature, hiking with their friends and climbing hard things. The amount of growth that I saw in not only the kids, like I would see the little ones trying to climb up little cliffs and, you know, going further ahead in the trail than their mom and the mom kind of being like, no, 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 come back, come back. That's too far. And at the beginning of the the time that we had, and then after the two years to watch the growth and the kids, the confidence level that they had being able to do hard things or falling down and scraping their knee. And they didn't even cry about it anymore because they were able to emotionally handle mm-hmm. something that was hard and seeing the growth in the moms too, of just letting their kids have a little bit more freedom and space from them and allowing their kids to climb the higher things they didn't a couple of years before. And it was just a really fun thing to see. Didn't expect all of that, but there was definitely learning and it was enjoyable for all. And that's an example of something super, super simple. That's fun. That's playful. 
and you get so much out of it. So there's a a little bit of investment for a ton of return on it. And if we can look at our homeschooling experience as almost an experiment, that's not a bad word either. (laughs) Right. Uh, But we can look at our- you. (laughs) Yeah. We can look at that experience as the same thing. You know, how much of this can we minimize the effort and get exponentially more return from? And that's worth investigating and kind of evaluating in our own minds and looking at it. Because as as moms, we put so much, we pour so much into things. And just by doing that, it can be overkill. And um, it's hard to not do that as women, as moms, you know. But allowing that freedom, that autonomy with the kids, even if they're young, you know, within reason, of course, and allow playfulness and encourage playfulness. And it's all wonderful. Yeah. And I've done this before. Ask the kids before school starts again, or I'm transitioning into the next set of what we're learning about to say, hey, what's one or two things that you guys want to learn about this semester or activities that you want to do? And how can we roll that into learning? And, you know, (laughs) something fun that I was just doing before we got on this podcast recording with my boys, uh, I'm doing a whole folklore and mythological creature for social studies this year. Mm -hmm. And we're listening to this podcast and talking about it. And it's just absolutely fun. And they'll ask, Hey, podcast. And I'm like, sure, let's do that. And you know, each episode is like an hour. So I'm getting hours in. And then I talked to my son later and he's like, you know, that one guest they had on there, I went to his website and I was looking at this. And so he's researching on his own because he's Mm -hmm. interested. Mm -hmm. If I had been like for social studies, we are just talking about American history for the third year in a row, you know, like that would be so boring. Read pages one to 30. Yeah. Yeah. I think to your point earlier, you made such a good point. How much time do we spend as moms trying to create something that can naturally happen on its own if we just let it? I mean, how many times have I been frustrated that I've spent all these hours researching this thing that I think is going to be perfect and my kid has zero interest in it. And if I had just followed their interest, we could have gone to the library and rented some books. We could have watched that movie on whatever streaming service that we found it on. And we could have had that great discussion. But yet here I am trying to buy materials that we don't need or want to enforce something that I think that they should learn. Mm-hmm. What a waste of my time, you know? Right. Yeah. And theirs. And yeah. yeah, all of it. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So moms, if you've been at this a while and you find that you're struggling this year, maybe take a look at your level of playfulness. And I'm not saying everybody has to be a certain way. There's no right way to play, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no wrong way to play. I understand chronic illness and deaths in the family and hard teenagers. I've lived all of that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do find much more joy in my home education journey with my children when I stop for a second and say, you know what, despite all of that, what can I do just this morning or Mm -hmm. just this afternoon to bring life back into our homeschool? There's, there's been lots of times I've had the same thing, Erin. And so many times when I've been at the end of my rope, I'm thinking that I am letting my students down by allowing it. But I'm like, I've got these phone calls to nurses to make and I've got, you know, funeral arrangements to do that, you know, let's just play a game. Let's just, just go pick a game and we'll play a game and we'll call that school for the day. 
and you feel like you're kind of at your wits end and this is something that you just have to do just to rip off the bandaid and get over with it. But that is so invaluable. And that's the best thing to do in those situations. You know how much harder it would be if we had said, oh, we've got to do these, these problems. We've got to work these books. And no, that would be so much more because there's no way we're going to be able to focus on that when we've got 15 nurses to call later. And we've got Mm -hmm. medications to make sure that our parent is getting or, or whatever it is. And so to just say, Hey, go, go find a game. You know, you could even say, Hey, pick a Mm -hmm. social studies game. If we're doing social studies today, pick a social studies game, pick a history game. And I mean, you have a ton of that ticket to ride and Stratego. I'm looking at them now, gravity maze, layer maze, you know, you have all these things that are, that can be so versatile and, and, and be covered under so many different subject matters. That can be Uh so, because they're getting that attention that they need from you. They're getting that fulfillment. They're going to be able to focus. They're going to be able to have better behavioral when we go back to this list, right? It's going to enhance Mm -hmm. their learning. It's going to enrich their imagination. It can tire their brain sound so they're quiet afterwards and you can make the phone calls that you need to make and do the things that you need to do. And it's, so it's good all the way around and you're not letting it down. You're not, you're not saying, oh, well, we're not living up to our, our own expectation, right? Maybe it's just something about like the first thing that has to die in your homeschool is your own expectations. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Well, and I'll say this too. The day that we had my mom's funeral, there was a homeschool skate immediately following that. So I had a choice to make in that moment with my kids. I was grieving. They were grieving, but she loved skating Mm -hmm. and was on a team when she was a teen and all this stuff. And my kids love skating. And I thought in that moment, like I had been praying this whole time, God, I just want to grieve well. I want to honor my mom. I want to honor you most of all, but I want to, you know, not be in such a place because she was a, such a happy person. Mm-hmm. And despite any of her own circumstances, she had choices to make and I have choices to make. And I knew in that moment I could go home and be very sad, or I could also be sad but go take my kids skating and do something that they loved and that she loved. And it was hard, Mm -hmm. but it was fun. And I'm really glad that I didn't just go home and sit because I would have been a mess, like more so I feel like, and that would not, I don't know, not, and that's not for everybody. I'm not saying like everybody has to do that, but there are choices that we all have to make each Mm -hmm. day when things are hard and you're grieving or you're sad, or you've got depression or you've got, um, your chronic illness, or you've got an undiagnosed thing that just something is off. But each moment we have to live, we have a choice to say, mm-hmm. how am I going to respond to this? I have my kids in my home for a reason. I want them there, right? Mm-hmm. I want them to be with me learning. And if I can teach them that we can be sad and we can be right. living our life at the same time, then if you're in a place to do that. If we're sitting in hard, if we're sitting in difficulties, why are we choosing additional hard and additional difficulties? You know, you can choose something that's easier than that to make things a little easier. And we don't have to torture ourselves and be sitting in a difficult position and then create additional difficulties by, you know, forcing our children to behave and write a hundred sentences, you know, like that just doesn't, Yeah, we shouldn't be punishing ourselves in that way for our hard, you know? We can make Mm -hmm. it an easier thing and try to be as, I mean, it's obviously sometimes it's just so hard to be playful, but once we start being playful, then that comes easier and we can feel that difficulty kind of lift 
And mm-hmm. sometimes it feels wrong to have that happen. Oh, I should, I should be feeling bad right now, but it really yeah. isn't, you know, it really isn't. And we should just kind of allow that to happen and kind of wallow in it, you know, and, and mm-hmm. allow the playfulness to kind of emerge even when it's hard, even when we're sitting in a hard place. Yeah, for sure. Right. I think that's uh, another reason that something like poetry tea time has gained mm-hmm. popularity amongst homes- homeschoolers is it's taking a time during the day or once a week or once a month or whatever it is that you sit with your kids and you just eat a treat or you eat a sandwich or something mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be tea, but you're focusing on on spending that time and making it special because you can, you don't have to paper towel (laughs) with your two cookies on it is special because you're spending that time. It doesn't have to be fancy plates and flat lays on Instagram or whatever to make it seem like it's this super cool thing. It could be just eating lunch in your backyard, making something Mm -hmm. that's mundane, a little bit different. I think that's the thing that I, I really appreciate about my mom as a kid. And then as an adult is, and I think I see this in my kids when they, when I do something that they don't expect that's joyful or just Mm -hmm. the unexpected is really the thing that's like, Oh, okay. I could, I could do that too. You know, that Mm -hmm. that's fun. Or, you know, I think us moms do that a lot when our kids are little, I have the teens, but I have a five-year-old and sometimes just doing something in our daily routine, slightly different or making a game of it or making it a race or something. She gets behind that and she'll clean her room. If I'm in there with her and we're playing kids bop music or whatever we're doing. So try to do something unexpected this week. If you think about it, that'd be fun. I think your kids would like that. All All right. right. So if you have appreciated our podcast, we are now on our 33rd episode. Be sure to like us on Facebook, follow our page. We have Goat Homeschooling with Erin and Amanda. We have a discussion page and we have our group page, same name. We also have an Instagram account, Goat Homeschooling Podcast on Instagram. And tell your friends, leave a review if you like what you hear. Let and other Pinterest. people know. And Pinterest. And we have Pinterest. Yes, <laughs> Go Homeschooling Theron and Amanda. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you've been encouraged or want to share some of what we're sharing with your friends, mm-hmm. give us a like, give us a follow. Give us an email. Remember the email? Did yeah. You Did you already say it? Uh, go homeschooling podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Yeah. Email <laughs> us. We want to hear from you. Well, right. thank you for listening and we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening today. We hope you'll subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you'd like to suggest topics for us to discuss, or if you have any questions, find us at goat homeschooling on Facebook, on Instagram at goat homeschool. And email us at goathomeschoolingpodcast at gmail.com. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.